you wanted the best, you've got the best podcast. The hottest, hottest. podcast in the world. In the world. The Chris Voss Show, the preeminent podcast with guests so smart you may experience serious brain bleed. The CEOs, authors, thought leaders, visionaries, and motivators. Get ready, get ready. Strap yourself in. Keep your hands, arms, and legs inside the vehicle at all times because you're about to go on a monster education roller coaster with your brain. Now, here's your host, Chris Voss. Here's your host, Chris Voss. Welcome, welcome, welcome one and all to the big tent show in the internet sky, the Chris Voss Show, the thechrisvossshow.com. I just have to do that. It just makes everyone so happy. Uh, we're looking forward to CES show, the CES show uh, 2023. <laughs> oh, my God, people, it's right around the corner. Uh, and uh, we're looking forward to that. We're going to be interviewing a bunch of CEOs that we have slated for the show. We always do our annual events at C- at the big CES shows. At, what is there, NAB, South by Southwest, uh, a bunch of the tech shows that are coming up, ISE in Europe. We're going to be doing uh, on-site interviews at the shows and interviewing uh, all the different uh, tech CEOs that are out there, some of the different things. So stay tuned for that. Watch for what's going on there. That's going to be really exciting to see. And, of course, we're excited to see uh, CES uh, coming up uh, for the first time without the COVID problem, or at least we hope without the COVID problem. You knock on wood. Uh, but uh, I believe next week we'll be uh, interviewing my good friend, uh uh, Gary Shapiro, who is the CEO of CTA and C in the CES show, technically, since CTA puts it on. We're interviewing him about everything that's going on. So stay tuned for that show. Uh, he's been a good friend of mine for several years and he makes an appearance every year on the show. So we'll be doing our annual get together and, uh, shoot the crap like a bunch of old friends and talking about tech and all that good stuff. Today, we have an amazing gentleman on the show. He, uh, helps minorities get into, uh, Silicon Valley and get high paying jobs and success in there. And, uh, if you're not familiar with Silicon Valley, they pay pretty darn well. And, uh, you can, <laughs> you can, uh, achieve some success. In fact, I, I saw a teacher recently leaving uh, the teaching community to go to work for Amazon. So, and it's a good community. It's innovation and, uh, they seem to come out with all these really cool products that help us. Uh, except for that Instagram thing. That doesn't seem to have helped much. No, I'm just kidding. It actually, <laughs> it actually has helped uh, advance a lot of different people, especially in OnlyFans, I think, or something. I don't know. That's a joke, people. <laughs> anyway, he is on the show with us today. But as always, we want you to put your arm around your friend, your neighbor, your relative, your co Coworker. Don't don't put your arm around your coworker. Actually, I, I forgot. That's a bad thing. Don't do that. Just lean over to him and say, hey, have you heard about the Chris Voss show? The family that loves you but doesn't judge you. You know, right now it's the holiday times. People are alone. They need a friend. You know, they need someone to reach out to and they need someone, a family, a community that, they, that loves them but doesn't judge them, at least not as harshly as your mom does. Now go clean your room. Anyway, guys, go to YouTube.com, Fortress Chris Foss, Goodreads.com, Fortress Chris Foss. Go see the big 130,000 group on LinkedIn and join the Chris Foss Show newsletter on LinkedIn. That thing is killing it over there. We just love LinkedIn. Seems to be the only sane place left on the earth. Also go follow us on TikTok as well. Uh, Derek DJ Johnson is on this show with us today. He is the CEO and founder of iTech. And we're going to be talking about how he helps uh, minorities get into Silicon Valley, which is a very important thing in STEM uh, support. Uh, Derek, or we'll refer to him on the show as DJ, was uh, born in Compton, California. So he has this great success story coming out of that neighborhood. Uh, of course, uh, if anybody's seen the great, what was the movie, Friday? What a great movie that was. <laughs> a graduate of McPherson College and Georgetown University, DJ has worked in 
technology for over a decade. DJ launched his nonprofit organization, iTech, in 2019 and has helped place more than 1,200 people in jobs or mentorship programs in Silicon Valley throughout his decade-long career in the tech industry. He's received over 1,000 rejection emails from companies in Silicon Valley. So this is going to be a great discussion from somebody who's seen it all. Um, this motivated to think about the future plight of the younger generation in tech. He opted to prepare them to be accepted to the growing industry. Since the establishment of iTech, uh, Johnson has donated more than uh, has donated more than 500 computers in hopes that his donations will make a difference for many individuals aspiring to become tech leaders. GJ's work has been featured in some of the top media outlets in the country, including San Francisco Post, the Silicon Valley Review, and the New York Weekly. Welcome to the show, DJ. How are you? I'm good, Chris. Man, thanks for having me, man. Um, I get a lot of requests uh, to do things like this, but I turn most of them down. So, um. Something about your pocket has definitely uh, gravitated me this way, so I'm excited to be on and share my story with you guys today. And we're excited and honored to have you on. We're the cool show. We're also a fun <laughs> show, and we're an educational show. So welcome to Joe. Give us your .coms or wherever you want people to find you, get to know you better on those interwebs just in the sky. Um, yeah, I got uh, my LinkedIn profile. I, could, I definitely could drop that in the chat. Um, Derek DJ Johnson on LinkedIn. Um, I'm uh, djack 248 on um Instagram and then um, iTech248 is where you can find us on Instagram as well. Um, we're not in the Twitter verse <laughs> anymore. I can't. I don't have enough uh, resources to run all of this stuff like I used to. I mean, we don't um, know if it's going to be around next week. You know, I know, know man. It's crazy times, man. But uh, yeah, then, then uh, if you want to check out what we're doing with iTech, uh, iTech, uh, number zero dot com. So um, that's where you can find all the cool stuff that we're doing. And we're always on LinkedIn, like you said, um, keeping keeping people updated. It seems like the only uh, same place to be at this point in time. <laughs> yeah, it's the only same place to be. And then I don't have thirst traps coming at me like TikTok and Instagram where my head's just dodging. I'm like, can I see something that makes me smarter? It's a different, uh, so- time, man. different time. It's kind of funny. I've seen a lot of people coming back to LinkedIn. So let's talk about you. You 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 grew up in Compton. Let's talk about what that's like and how that shaped you. Yeah, um, grew up in Compton, California. Me, my mom, my two sisters. Um, I was fortunate enough to move to Arizona with my dad later in my life, um, mm-hmm. right before I went into uh, middle school. But um, you know, thinking about those those years with me, my mom, and my sisters. Uh, my mom was a school teacher, um, worked two jobs. I think that's probably where I get most of my work ethic from. Um, mm-hmm. It's from her just kind of seeing her work, those two jobs and uh, never once complaining. Um, you know, a lot, obviously a lot of, a lot, a lot of troubled things that was going on back, back in the day when I used to stay out there. Uh, education was uh, not a top priority, oddly enough, because my, my mom's working two jobs. My sisters obviously wanted to go outside and play. So um, funny enough, I always tell people this story. They're like, man, I can't believe you graduated from, from Georgetown and you work at Microsoft. I was like, it's funny. I, I say the same thing because um I didn't learn learn how to read until I was 11 years old. Really? Uh, yeah, I didn't learn how to read and write until I was 11 years old. So, um, uh, you know, it's just one of those things that, again, you know, I, I feel like, you know, my mom, she definitely did as best she could. But, um, you know, kudos to her. And I always tell her, I was like, I don't I don't know if I could have done that as a parent, like knowing like, hey, I don't I don't have everything you need uh, for the person you need to become. So I'm going to let you go and live with your father and um, have that long term, like long distance relationship that we had to. Uh, cultivate. So um, definitely interesting times. I and mean, I always think back to LA as home. Um, it's one of those things. It's like, no matter, you know, where I go, I always think like, if I can, if I can come out of that, then I can come out of almost anything. 
I know that's the beauty is your success story. You you've you've come out of you know a lot of people come out of these uh, these areas or or you know areas that are, are blighted and and uh, as people struggle income wise and uh, out with a lot of other things that go on in those communities. What made you? What kept you from going down like say the gang road or or you know getting involved in some of the bad stuff that probably was around you at the time. Man, I, honestly, I, I can't say that I wasn't involved and it was never in the depth that it was to the point to where I'm away in prison or anything like that or, or more likely dead. But um, I remember something that my my first grade teacher told me, um, you know, she said, you, you'll be lucky if you even get a job at 7-Eleven. She's like, you're probably going to be she's like, you're probably going to be in jail or dead before you're 21, um, 33 today, um, doing some pretty great things. So I'm forever uh, grateful and humble. But um also, you know, I shouted out my mom. I got a, a testament to my pops, man. He, uh, you know, he, he was like, hey, you, you need to come live with me. I'm going to teach you how to be a man. Um, and uh, probably sports, man. Football definitely changed my life forever. Like with even with all the stuff going on with like CTE injuries and things like that. Um, I've had neck surgeries, uh, but um, I wouldn't change it for a world, man. Like football definitely made me a different person. And um, all the stuff that I do great today, discipline, being on time, uh, being a great teammate, helping in my community. Uh, putting others first. That all came from football. So, um, you know, I was a testament to my dad just taking me in and pretty much showing me the way because, um, you know, he grew up in California. He didn't want that the same life that he led for me. So um, he stepped up to the plate um, as a father should do and uh, took me in and uh, put me on the right path. You know, the odds, <clears throat> which your teacher spoke to, the odds of coming out of, of, of these communities that are marginalized is is hard. Uh, we had uh, the Fire is Upon Us author Nicholas Bacola on the show, and uh, we were talking. He wrote a he wrote a famous book about um, James Baldwin and William F. Buckley. That famous debate that just uh, uh, Baldwin just crushes him on the on the debate. If you've seen that, and he he mentioned to me during the show something that really haunted me and stuck with me. He said, you know, when I was growing up. I, I read it like I think it was eleven or five. Very early on in his 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 childhood, uh, he read that one out of three, if, if one out of three uh, males in a family, one out of three will end up in prison, mm-hmm. just like guaranteed. And he goes, "Do you know what it's like to grow up thinking which one of the three of us is going to be?" He had three brothers or two brothers in him, so he was looking from a very early impressionable age going. Which of one of us is going to prison? Is it me? Is it going to be one of his? And the numbers did bear out. One of his brothers ended up in prison and and got involved with some bad stuff. So, yeah. but but having to live with that perception is depressing. Uh, it, it can be depressing. I I would be depressed over it. Living with it, going holy holy fuck, the odds are really fucking stacked against me. And then saying you know someone telling you the best you can do is is end up at Seven yeah. Eleven. What 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 do you feel? helped you kind of get a vision out of out of out of shooting out of that was it your father's influence or what was there some you know father probably father and mother's influence but it's funny you say like depressing right um um there's a quote and i want to make sure i give the person the right credit i think i want to think with fred taylor but he said exposure leads to expansion right um so when like when i was living in that situation that's all i knew so it was just norm, right? Like you don't think, well, there's nothing wrong with this, you know, but then when you finally kind of get out of it, it's like, man, that's not how, you know, people should be living, you know? And obviously like, you know, my mother kept us safe from everything. 
uh, as best you could. But there's certain stuff that you see it at a young age being in that area because that's just where, you know, things go on at. Um, but, yeah, I mean, I think, like, obviously, like, my dad, man, I mean, I, like, I, know, I remember when I first moved with him, um, it was definitely a culture shock. Um, and it's, like, funny because it's – for the longest time, I was like, man, my dad, he must hate me, man, like, because – I'm cutting the grass, I'm mopping floors, I'm, I'm get, like cleaning up. And it's like, why do I have to do everything this way? And like, why does it have to be done at, you know, 6, 7 a.m. on a weekend? Like, you know what I mean? It's like, why, why, why? Like, what is the, what is the point of all this? Um, and it, again, I think he was like, you know, he was grooming me to become a, a man of purpose, like, you know, a, a person of good character, um, doing things that, people I don't necessarily see, but, you know, that's ultimately what builds like leaders, right. Things that are done in, in the dark. So um, making sure that I was, you know, doing things the right way. Um, and I think, you know, he kind of always told me, he's like, Hey man, like um, I think you can be definitely way, way better than me. Um, I've done a lot of bad in my life. He's like, but I want to make sure that one thing that I do get right is, um, is you. So um, you're probably going to hate me a lot of times, but just know I'm doing all this for your, for your best benefit. Um, you know, put me in the sports and I was, uh, really reluctant to do that. Uh, but, you know, he made me stick with it. And, you know, a few scholarships later, some championships, Hall of Fame now in my college, had a chance to go play uh, football internationally. Um, you know, I'm better for it, man. So I definitely, like, thank the uh, stars every night. And I kind of sit up in bed, like, three friends back in uh, Los Angeles that are all – they're both dead now. Wow. Um, kind of you think – I always think to myself, like, man, like, why me? You know, like – but there was something that was that was deemed, I guess, early on that I was going to be one of the ones to make it and uh, do what I'm doing now to help give back to so many. You know, a mother, a mother t- tends to you. You have to have both a mother and father in your family, in my opinion. And a lot of researchers yep. that we've had on the show, we've had researchers that have written a lot of books on on a boys this the you know the the rise of the single parent home in America. We in America we have the largest single parent homes ever, and and I'm wondering how much of your you know, bring your father in. And of course, sports is a man's thing. You know, mm-hmm. we, we have a lot of these insult generations and these, these boys that are lost in emotionalism and sports has been taken out of schools as well. And we yeah. see a lot of that with the shooters, every, every shooter. And we've had authors on the show that have talked about shooters and the, the lack of fathers and their thing. So I'm thinking fatherhood. And of course, you know, sports is a man thing. We're men. We're designed to go out and kill. We're killers. We're, we're designed to go er, compete to go fight, kill the woolly mammoth. It's all caveman stuff when it comes down to it. And I think having that, you know, also that sense of purpose. I remember with my dad, I argue with him a lot. He was like, you mow the lawn. I'm like, this work crap is bullshit. And, uh, but men will teach, men teach their sons and daughters how to prepare for life. You know, mom will coddle you and hug you and you'll scar your knee or something. And she'll, she'll give you some loving and, and, and patch up the thing. Your dad will just be like, suck it up. Life's not fair and get used to it. And you're yeah. like, well, that's not very nice. But then when you get older, you're like, thanks, Dad, for kicking me in the ass a couple times. <laughs> yeah, I mean, you realize that's the that's the real world, right? Like the real world doesn't give out um, hugs and kisses often. Let me say that. Um, you know, most of the time it's like, you know, we don't care what you got going on. Uh, yeah. You know, get better, do better, right? So um, yeah. that's what my dad taught me. And um, to your point about the sports, man, I just when I think of when I think of football, um, I think of discipline. Um, having to wear certain uniforms. Um, I played for one of the most winningest coaches in high school football history wow. in Arizona. Um, and I just think about all the stuff that we had to do. Like we couldn't wear certain colored cleats. Um, we had to like earn our gloves. We had to wear like long white socks. And it's like, you look back on that, like, man, why do we have to do that? Um, 
but it, it, it's all needed, right? To, take, to today's society, like there's certain things you can and can't do. And if you try to go against the grain too much, um, you know, you end up getting in trouble. And I've seen a lot of people, um, oddly enough, that couldn't become disciplined in football and are disciplined in life and the results show. So how'd you work your way into Silicon Valley? Interesting story, man. So um, came back home from playing football um, over in Germany. Um, was thinking I was going to, you know, end up being in the NFL. Uh, didn't work out. So um, kind of always knew I wanted to get into sales. Um, didn't really know much about tech sales at the time. Um, luckily, one of my uh, friends who was working in uh, tech sales had told me about this job. It was literally uh, 40, 40, 40 cold calls a day with another like 60 uh, leads that kind of had came in that were considered qualified leads. So looking at like a hundred calls a day um, for eight hours a day, five, five to seven days a week, five to six days a week. Um, that was like my first gig. So I got that job um, selling computer certifications for university of Phoenix. Um, and I parlayed that skill into working at Dell computers where I worked there for almost five years. Um, had took a break for a little bit, um, then jumped back into Silicon Valley right around 20, uh, 2019 is when I came back in. But, um, Definitely was one of those things where I think I was fortunate enough because I went to school for business. I literally just Googled search one day. I said, oh, what's the best, best, highest paying sales careers? And I think pharmaceutical sales popped up um, and then tech sales was the second one. Uh, but only reason I didn't do pharmaceutical sales is um, most of those guys have to go into operating rooms to test yeah. out products. Not anyone to do their own blood. <laughs> I'm the same way, man. You, you give me too much blood, even like a horror movie. Yeah, and also man, go, you got to be around oh, doctors man. all day. And it's like, you got to be out. Like, God bless. There's people that aren't like us that uh, can look at blood all day and, and man, uh, they can scientifically approach it. So you, you, uh, when do you go through the thousand rejections or thousand interviews of, of trying to get a job uh, in this field or how did the, how did the thousand uh, yeah, interviews so, play out? Yeah, it's interesting, man. Uh, that story, like I always tell everybody that my brother's probably the only one who knows about that, like part of my part of my life. Um, so I was working in working in tech, working over at Dell Computers, um, felt that I had been kind of like wrong. And I probably should have like just sat down and had a conversation with people at the at the job at the time, but um, ended up leaving uh, Dell Computers. So I left there. I had like probably probably on paper, you could say I probably had like close to like five years experience, but it was like pushing seven. Um, so I left there, decided to try to do my own thing, try to become like a sports agent, um, had that business going for about two years until it flopped uh, right before 20, uh, 2019. Uh, so I figured like, hey, man, you know, I tried, tried, tried my hand at entrepreneurship, didn't work. But I've seen people all the time, like stay-at-home moms or somebody's coming from like a finance industry or something like that. Um, somebody, people that have career breaks. Uh, which I've never, never seen <laughs> seen somebody do before. And they come back and get a job, right? It's like, you know, no good deal. Um, so kind of how tech sales works is like, you know, you have like, you have like your inside sales and you got like your hybrid, which is like inside, outside, and you got like your field representatives who's like the top of, top of level, right? So um, I was thinking like, hey, well, I know for a fact I'm probably overqualified for inside sales, which which I knew would be true. Uh, but then they people kept telling me like, oh, well, you're not qualified enough to do um, hybrid and you're definitely not qualified enough to be an outside sales rep. Um, mm-hmm. And I remember telling them, I'm like, hey, I'm, I'm more than willing to come back in and do inside sales. Like, you know, not a problem. Like, I feel like I'm definitely qualified, um, had a lot of deals under my belt, um, had, a, had a pretty good story, had a good understanding of, of the tech industry. Um, 
but yeah, I got rejected, man. Like literally like a thousand times. And I, to the point to where I had to, the, the only reason that I ended up getting back into Silicon Valley is a crazy story too. So, um, I ended up taking a job at Apple. Apple has like these seasonal roles to where you can be a, um, they call them like uh, Apple consultants, but they're pretty much just like, they're just like glorified sales rep, right? Like you come in trying to buy a new Apple phone, all that kind of stuff, right? So I ended up taking an internship. I was 30 years old at the time working with 19 year olds. Chris, it was like crazy. <laughs> so like, oh, like the old guy in the room, like, they're talking about partying after work. I'm like, man, I got to go home and go to sleep. I got to go home and go to bed. That's yeah, where I'm at. And I was also like in my MBA program at the time too. So I'm like, oh. I got homework to do right. Um, so oddly enough, man, like I ended up doing that for almost like a year. Um, actually, probably like six, six, seven months. Did that for six, seven months. Um, was still kind of interviewing. Ended up like bumping into somebody that was working at a company in Silicon Valley. Uh, gave me a business card ended up getting a job with them. And I mean, mm-hmm. luckily, luckily I was working that job at Apple. Cause I, if I, if I didn't, if I was working that job at Apple and didn't want to like, you know, go to, go to the bottom, bottom of the industry, I probably wouldn't be sitting in this chair today. Uh, Cause like nobody was, for some reason, like nobody was hiring me at all. Like it was the, it was the craziest thing ever. And then everyone told me that um, I would need a master's degree in order to get a, a role with them. And I already have my bachelor's plus you could say five years experience, but no one would hire me. Wow. So did you experience a lot of what you feel discrimination is a minority? Because that's what you kind of helped do in with your Man, I don't I don't even know if it was discrimination more so if it was just um I think that I and I and I always try to put myself in their shoes, right? I think they like okay, well, obviously he understands the business. Um, you know, is he truly dedicated? Is he gonna get an itch again to go back out and work on his own? So there's the investment kind of concern there, right, from their side. And I think the second piece, to be honest, I think they probably feel like, well, hey, if we do hire him, will he truly be happy in this role that he's clearly overqualified for? Um, So I don't want to say like discrimination, but I think it was just one of those things where it's like, if I could go back and do it all over again, I would have done things differently. uh, Because again, like now I know those hurdles that I had to overcome. um, And that's something that I always kind of talk to the people that I mentor about is like, hey, Let's kind of think about this long term, right? Let's let's not think about the next twenty four hours. Let's think about the next twenty four months. How this decision is going to affect you, and if you're okay with the consequences, then great. Um, but last thing I want is for people to be having to sleep in their car, um, you know, donate blood, donate plasma uh, to get by, or you know, driving Postmates. Um, I was like, there's no need for you to do that. I've already done that, so let's really get strategic with how we're going to approach this thing. There you go. So you spent 10 years in Silicon Valley. What's the proponent? Uh, you're working for these different companies. Uh, you, you work for Microsoft technically now. Mm-hmm. Uh, you do both. Uh, yep. We'll talk about what that means. What gave you the proponent to want to start uh, being a STEM advocate with uh, with your company, iTech? Yeah, um, it goes back to my, my job search and my journey, right? I remember like, you know, going on these interviews and getting all those rejections. I mean, what, what's the saying? Uh, insanity is doing the same thing over and over, expecting a different result. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm like, maybe there's something I'm doing wrong, right? Um, and I, I, I don't want to say like no one helped me, but the advice I got was very like, just very odd advice. Like I remember I met with one lady and she was like, well, maybe you shouldn't go by DJ. Maybe you should go by Derek. Like maybe that's like turning recruiters off. And I'm like, I see people with AJ all the time or like, what's the, like my initials is what's stopping people from hiring me. Um, got told to cut my hair. Like, Hey, like, yeah, you know, you might want to, you know, cut your hair. Like it's, 
Um, you know, it's giving off, uh, you know, free, 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 Freemason vibes, all just all kind of like just crazy, outrageous stuff. Um, or the worst of the ones where, you know, you get you reach out to somebody, um, they read it and never respond. Um, and oddly enough, they reach out a few years later. Oh, we want to work with your company to help. It's like, dude, I reached out to you three years ago and you didn't respond. Now you want me to help you because you see I'm in a position to do so. Like, you know, things don't work that way. So um, for me, this is one of those things I was like, you know, if I get in a position to help, um, you know, I, prom- I told my mother, I made a promise for her. I said, if I can get back in to technology um, and do it the right way, I said, I'm going to help as many people as I can uh, not ever have to go through what I went through. Cause it was a, it was a battle, man. And I think um, if I wasn't strong enough, I know a lot of people that probably would have broke for sure. Yeah. I think it's great that you've taken your experience and your success and all the hard work you've put into it and then, and then parlayed it into this company to help other people do that and get into that. Uh, one thing I will fall back on, on what you said uh, is there has been there has been studies shown, and probably I think books written. I can't think of any we had on the show, but I know there's been studies that have said that different names on different on resumes sometimes will trigger uh, discrimination, racism, things of that nature, where people go, mm, "We know who this person is based upon the names there that are on their thing," and and so there there is that a factor in the thing. I don't know if it applied to you, but uh, you know, it's something we need to understand and overcome and realize that you know those those prejudices are in the system; they need to be removed. So you take your company, and I think what's really great is you partner with Microsoft, you partner with Google, you're working on a few other things. We'll talk about, but what you're doing is you're creating a community you're creating a way an e-learning information registration base uh where you can stem help uh, people get into silicon valley and get into these better jobs in, in silicon valley talk to us about that and give us a kind of an overview of how what iTech is and how it works yeah so um something that i kind of noticed early i guess like early on in my career like coming back to the cloud is uh most of the people that look like myself like they they, they might have had a, a bachelor's degree um, some were like going for their master's degree, but then they weren't really like certified. Right. So um, just like a car technician. Right. Like if they're working on a car, you want to make sure that they're actually certified to do the work, uh, regardless if they're in the industry or not. Um, so I kind of noticed I was like, well, man, like if if they're going for these certifications and um, it's really important and that's something that you need to bring into the space. I was like, you know, how cool would it be if I just like partner up with some of these um, companies to help? Uh, people get certified um, on their product, right? So it kind of kills two birds with one stone. One, it kills the oh, you know, I'm not, I'm not technically ready or not, I'm not technical enough. But then the second piece was like it was actually helping. Like, hey, well, I got a pipeline of uh, minorities that they want to get into technology, um, mm-hmm. but they know nothing about Google Cloud. They know nothing about Azure. They know nothing about AWS Cloud. So, um, or Amazon Web Services. So, um, it was kind of like partnering with those companies to get creative around, like, hey. How do I help you solve your diversity problem? But along with like pretty much introducing um, people that were looking to get into tech that weren't necessarily uh, programmers or engineers um, to get into some of those non-traditional tech roles, whether it be a project manager um, like myself, tech sales, uh, maybe business operations. Um, all that stuff is needed. But when you have that certification, um, it kind of uh, mitigates any of that uh, concern around, well, are they actually interested? Because those certs take you anywhere between a month, maybe two months to actually get and to actually retain that information to be able to speak to it is really important. So um, that's kind of how iTech was ultimately formed. 
That's awesome. So, you know, to me, that makes sense because if you're trained on the, that particular products thing, you know, people can go, Oh, well, they know us. They know, they know how our stuff works. Uh, On your website, it it says e-learning information. And then uh, a note here about 200 plus games. Uh, Tell us about that. Yeah. So, um, got approached by a teacher. She saw what I was doing. Um, and she asked me, she said, Hey, like, you know, uh, some of my kids, um, obviously the inner city, she was like, you know, they only have access to the computer here at, at school. She was like, I don't know if you ever thought about, um, you know, having a, a part of your organization that solely focuses on, um, early STEM development. Um, and that's how the, the e-learning game platform kind of came about. So, um, started to donate computers. Uh, one of the, one of my people that I work with was like, man, how cool would it be if you could literally have it to where every time you give away a computer, you're also introducing them to, um, you know, coding and learning at an early age. So um sat down with uh, a few uh, developers, um, talked with some people over at uh, Roblox, Minecraft, uh, Angry Birds. And I was like, hey, like, what would this even look like if you wanted to, uh, you know, embed game gaming with coding? Like, is that something that can be done? Um, ended up securing the licenses and literally built a platform that runs on the cloud uh, that kids can access the, the platform and learn how to game um, all the, from ages 18, eight all the way up to age 17 is what the platform is actually marketed and tailored for. So um, as they start at the beginning phases, they can literally migrate through the entire platform uh, throughout their entire youth uh, uh, pretty much career and, you know, develop uh, skills needed to either go into computer science or just to get exposed to technology to say like, hey, this might be something I want to do. Maybe I want to build a game one day and I'll have that um, knowledge base to do so because of the platform that we built out. You know, the one thing I learned in my community or my companies is there is no there is no one person who has all the great ideas because as a CEO, I, I, <laughs> <laughs> I tapped out early on. I didn't yeah. actually. But but no, I I I our rule around the offices were were the only, uh, you know, it, it, whoever's got a good idea. Uh, throw it forth. We're, we're open to listening. You know, we don't discourage uh, bad ideas. But uh, there's there's so many brilliant people that can come from so many different ways, uh, and and you never know. And sometimes they come out of communities that are marginalized and everything else. The CEO of uh, of Google came, was sleep grew up uh, was born raised grew, growing up on a on a dirt floor sleeping on a dirt floor in India. Um, Steve Jobs was an immigrant was the son of an immigrant uh, yeah. from Syria, I believe, if I recall rightly. Um, you know, and you you look at so many different stories. Uh, you know. Uh, Mark Zuckerberg was a guy, you know, uh, sleeping on his parents' uh, basement in the dormitory, just trying to get laid and create a Facebook, uh, <laughs> where, he, where he stole it from the Winklevoss twins. Or I don't know. It's George and jokes here, Zuck. Don't sue me. Um, but uh, you know, I mean, these these and, and the the other point I'm trying to move into in my weird ass segue that's joking around is a lot of these guys that got successful in Silicon Valley. A lot of times, very early on. They were exposed to this language, and we've all we've all learned that that uh, well, I don't know that we all learned, but I'll just make the assumption um, to to make my point. <laughs> see how see how that works. Um, stop segueing, Chris. Already, but you know, learning language at a very early age is really important because once you become adult, you become kind of fixed in your ways. I've tried to learn coding. It's really hard to do at thirty or forty. Yeah. <laughs> I think I was yeah. forty when I tried to do it. I just. 
I, you know, I love my coder friends. I love my Silicon Valley friends, but man, that stuff is hard. It's like, it's a language yep. and there's multiple languages, variations, you know, the, all the different stuff that's out there. But the, the, they found that the best time to learn this, to teach this sort of language for coding is at a very early age. And, and I was exposed to the Commodore 64. That's how old I am. Um, and we would type in these codes that we get from magazine and try, you know, we type in the word for word coding they give us and try and make the games work. And you're right. That gaming, you know, seeing playing games when you're young because you like to have fun, but you're also like, hey, why does this work and how does it work and how? And so capturing, like you say, those people at that young age that's very impressionable where they can learn coding and they can do is a great conduit for Silicon Valley to tap into. Yeah, and I think that's why companies like um, you know Microsoft find find a partnership valuable with iTech right along right along with Google and a few others that we work with. Um, you know, and you know, my thing is, I think one thing that I have to you know tip my hat off to Silicon Valley for is they've never been um, conservative. Uh, they you know they always been progressive, right? So mm-hmm. you know the fact that I could work for the company that I work for, um, and then also them to say like, hey, like we definitely see what you have going on outside of work. We want to want to help you scale that, right? We want to help you use the machine that we built um, to help reach so many others. Uh, most industries don't allow that. And then um, something that also kind of hits home is like, you know, the way I can, I, I, I wear this kind of stuff to work, right? A hoodie with some jeans and, you know, I'm, I'm customer facing, um, don't have to, you know, pretty much like tone it down or put on a suit. Um, it definitely speaks to like the values of where the industry is, the culture that's, that's there, um, now I know from where I grew up, man, I, I can't think of how many times, uh, people came for career day. Um, you know, they were in a suit and tie and you just kind of wonder like, man, I've never seen a suit and tie day in my life. Like, does this guy really relate to me or look like me? Um, so I think it's a different impact when you can come in wearing the same shoes that they're wearing, you know, having a hoodie on and letting them know like, Hey man, there's a lot of us that look just like you, um, that are doing some great things and you don't have to, you know, dribble a basketball, or have a microphone to have an impact or to have, um, you know, option to create generational wealth. Right. There's that option there that's in Silicon Valley. There's a long term plan. And I'm, I'm, I'm walking proof and testament to that. There, You know, I, I, I learned this a long time ago. I wrote about my book. Uh, one of my early CEO mentors, my last CEO mentor that I worked for before I fully went to work successfully and built multi-million dollar companies. Uh, he, he would show up to work in shorts and flip-flops and he would always, he was a big fat guy like me and he would always have like a little drop of food going down his thing. And he had a, he had a president who was the, uh, you know, the suit guy who would, you know, meet and deal with all the, you know, important crap you got to deal with the banks and stuff. But, uh, I said to him one day, I go, I go, I go, Hey man, and this is the nineties. Uh, I go, Hey man, um, why do you, why, you know, I'm wearing a suit, you know, fitting in and I was young and, uh, you know, why do you, how do you, you know, why do you don't dress like normal CEOs? And he goes, Chris, he goes, I work 12, 14, 16, 18 hours a day. Cause you know, he was running an $800 million company. Wow. And, uh, he goes, uh, he goes, uh, you know, he goes, I can work longer hours. He goes, I'm more in a mental state where I'm relaxed and if I wear a suit, I feel really stuffy and I feel really formal and I feel really rigid. And he goes, he goes, have you seen my, uh, have you seen my accountant, uh, my CFO? <clears throat> he goes, he wears a suit and he's really, he's really rigid. He's on his fifth bypass. <laughs> Man. 
And so uh, after that, I started wearing shorts and flip flops. And my and my boss, my my employees, would be how come how come you don't get to you don't have to wear a suit all the time? And I'm like, oh, it's Boss Appreciation Day. And they go, but you don't wear a suit every day. And I go, every day is Boss Appreciation Day. I wasn't that narcissist, my kind of was. But no, I I like how at least Silicon Valley and stuff has kind of normalized this acceptance where the value of someone's mind, the value of someone's work. Uh, the value of someone as a whole is not based upon IBM's, you know, old model that they used to have. Everyone has to wear a black suit, a black tie, and a black hat. Yeah. Um, you know, that 50s model that used to be a thing. And then somebody was like, hey, we should have colors. And people are like, what? Heresy. You know, but thank God they did because, God, what a boring life, that black and white world. Um, so uh, you guys do e-learning information. And uh, how does that work? Do they does, is it is it funded or supported by uh, or uh, given some sort of uh, uh, financing from from the companies you're working with? Is there cost to it? How does how does the e learning work? Yeah, so we got uh, we got resources from uh, Microsoft and Google that were able to kind of help us build out the platform um, on on the cloud. Uh, thankfully enough, um, but. Honestly, man, like most of the stuff that we did for, for the e-learning platform came in via donations. So, um, you know, we got a great support system. Nice. Uh, we, you know, we do a lot of marketing on Instagram, uh, Facebook and things like that. So we got a good um, chunk of money to, to build out the platform. It cost us, I think it cost us close to $30,000 to build it out. Um, and the nice thing is, so I kind of had did some market research um, in order for us to kind of keep it up and maintain it. Uh, a typical coding class cost anywhere between $300 to $500 per month. Um, our class literally only costs, well, the platform it costs $100 for the entire year. Um, and that $100 goes back into us building and, and monetizing and software upgrades and things like that, making the platform better uh, for the user. So uh, one-time fee, once you pay that 100 bucks, you, you have access to it for an entire year. Um, and like I said, you know, as we continue to upgrade, modify it, um, you have to pay again, but it's just 100 bucks for the entire year. It doesn't cost you $500 per month um, to have access to the platform and learn. And eventually as well. And let's say I'm a parent right now of a young kid. How, how young would you advise, you know, getting into some of these things? I'm looking over the Microsoft and you've got Google Cloud certification. There's all the Microsoft certifications, AI engineer, app maker, business user, developer, data scientist. Uh, there's all the all the different Microsoft certifications that are important. I'm sure to learning to get in their thing, the Azure uh, fundamentals. Um, how young would you, if you're a parent out there listening, should I get my kid into this? How how young is the target there that you would say? That's funny you ask, Chris. I saw a post on LinkedIn the other day. Um, I saw a kid. I want to say she was ten years old. Yeah. Ten years old. She already had her. Um, AZ 700, which mm-hmm. is like pretty much like a few levels above beginner knowledge. Um, just, he was 10 years old. So I think it's just one of those things. Obviously, I always tell parents like, um, the earlier you can start them, the better. Um, obviously you don't have to get them certified in Azure because it's going to change. Um, uh, but just getting them that exposure, right? To, hey, what, what is cloud computing? What is cybersecurity? Um, they watch Netflix. Hey, mom, how is, how is, you know, Coco Melon on the screen right now. We don't have a DVD of it, right? So just breaking it down, explaining it to him that way. Um, but uh, I got my nephew. He's uh, he just turned five years old. Um, he's on the platform for e-learning. Um, so yeah. the sooner the better, man. Just to give him that exposure and just start to work those muscles, like you said. Um, uh, you know, learning a language at early age is probably the best best way to learn it and retain it. 
Um, so you, the sooner you get them started, the better. That's if they if they show interest in it, right? Um, yeah. Get them involved. You don't want to force kids to yeah. do what they don't want to do. But definitely, you know, questioning why things work is really important. Uh, it, I was just Googling here, scientific, according to uh, scientificamerica.com, American, Dot com. Uh, they said uh, the great time to learn uh, language for children is before the age of 10. Mm-hmm. And I know a lot of prodigies, and I think Mark Zuckerberg started coding at a very early age. Uh, it seems like a lot of people were ever successful. I mean, great guitarists, you know, Jimi Hendrix and stuff started playing guitar at you know, 10 or 11, 8, 9. Um, you know, it, it seems to be that, that there's real shaping of, of your life at that point and what you're into. But, yeah, like, I mean, one of my friends uh, started coding at an early age. I think around 18, 17, 16, he developed a specialized email program that was award-winning and so unique that, he literally got a call from Steve Jobs and Apple saying we want, he, he got written up in the newspaper and they literally called him in Indiana and says, we want it, We want you to work for us. And he was like a prodigy. Yeah. And this is what I was saying before. You don't, anybody can have the best idea in the world. There's no, there's no uh, monopoly on having great ideas. It could be the person who's an immigrant, a person who comes from a minority community, any human being has that potential inside of them, but they also need to have, there needs to be seeded that that uh, basis of knowledge or given some support. Uh, that gentleman I t- spoke about from Indiana went on to be one of the uh, small team that built the iPhone. And we all know how that turned out. Yeah. So, um, yeah, a crappy subpar phone that Android is better than. Anyway, I'm just doing the jokes around here. Pretty and it, look, that everybody uses, right? It went from the <laughs> crappy iPhone to iPhone 15 that's coming out here in the next few months, right? <laughs> There you go. There you go. I mean, he's working at Apple. I've got, I'll have to tell you an Apple story. You may know of Andy's uh, Grignon's story, um, but I'll have to tell you it maybe off, off the thing. He, there's a, if you go see a movie, he'll tell you about the fuck chop, uh, uh, designation that Steve Jobs gave him. But, uh, moving on, let's, let's dig in a little bit more into your website, what you do. But I like this. Uh, there's so many different certifications of Microsoft that you have, and it, it just makes sense that if they learn these basic things, they can get into it. And as a parent, I, you know, I told my, my, uh, I don't have kids. I can only afford dogs. Um, I, uh, I told my, uh, brother, uh, with his kids when they were about eight, nine, I said, you should get them into Silicon Valley and STEM stuff and, yeah. uh, get them into that learning. One of the things you have on your website, you talk about an NFT drop, uh, talk to us about what's behind that or what's going on with that. Yeah. So we actually have partnered up, um, oddly enough with Coinbase around uh, building like an NFT. Um, mm-hmm. so the, the, the premise there was going to be for us to pretty much give away, I think it was 100 NFTs, uh, pretty much going to like a luck of the draw um, mm-hmm. um, to pretty much get college students exposure to the NFT like blockchain space, right? Um, obviously, it was like really new, super trendy, um, still a thing, uh, but I kind of had backed off of it. We're still kind of going back and forth. But we actually want to roll it out still, mm-hmm. uh, but it was literally going to be a, like, a, like a pretty much like a contest of People put their names in the hats and we end up uh, choosing select people that have one out of 100 students um, and pretty much teach them in part in a partnership with Coinbase around blockchain and um, ho- hopefully ultimately help them get jobs. Right. Because most of that stuff that that we have that we market towards is for like recent college graduates, maybe like a mid career professional looking to make a pivot um, into technology. So uh, something that we're looking at in NFT space, like, man, how cool would it be if um, someone was to kind of get this digital asset Um aside from the monetary value, but actually being able to learn and get some skill sets to when they're done with school, they can go into a career path. Um, 
But the thing with the NFT space, with it being where it is right now, crypto kind of being all over the place, uh, we've kind of like pulled the reins back. Um, I have to figure something out, though, because we did get a Microsoft Surface Pro 8 and an Xbox um, that's going to be raffled off as well as a part of the NFT um, giveaway. So I got to figure yeah. something out what I'm going to do with that soon, but uh, definitely more to come on that as well. I love the idea of giving away computers and trying to get more of, of marginalized communities and people uh, computers early. I mean, uh, in, in the Internet, and there's just so much you can learn. And being exposed to that world, of course, will keep you out of, you know, joining gangs or getting involved in, in other things that sometimes are in those communities, sadly. Um, your platform includes 200 uh, coding courses, two, yeah. or I'm sorry, 500 coding quests, uh, 750 fun challenges, different things to engage people's brain. You also teach people different variations of coding uh, and creative tools. Talk to us a little bit about that, if you would. Yeah, so that was something that we were kind of like looking at. So we were, so we were kind of like tempted. We're like, hey, well, hey, like if I'm a, you know, if I'm a kid that's in maybe college and maybe I'm going through, it's my sophomore year, and they're talking about internships and things that I want to get interested in. Like, obviously, I don't want to go through, go back, and have to redo classes because I'm not on track to get a computer science degree. Um, what's the easiest way we can do something without having to go to a coding boot camp? It's going to cost anywhere between $5,000 to $10,000. Wow. Um, so we were like, hey, well, I was like, why don't we just build in something to the e-learning platform to where some of these recent college graduates or people that are getting ready to graduate can start getting exposed to coding uh, because there's there's two different types of coders, right? Well, three different type of coders. Let me make sure I don't want to get murdered by Silicon Valley. <laughs> so you have front, you have front end engineers, you have back end engineers, and then you have what's called full stack developers, right? Um, so a part of those code languages, seven hundred learning games. All three of those different variations of co- of coding is available. If you only want to do front end engineering, we have stuff for that. If you want to do back end, we have different games and and skill sets that that you can get for that. If you want to do full stack, there's a there's a journey. Um, in a, um, kind of like a roadmap for you to get certified as a full stack developer as well. Um, that, that you can learn while doing, while you're still in school and not having to pay, uh, the $10,000 mark that it costs to be in a coding bootcamp while trying to still remain in classes. So, um, that's something that we had kind of looked into because we were kind of going back and forth around. Do we want to do a coding bootcamp and something that I kind of prided myself on? I was like, Hey, I'm going to do the same thing that my mother could afford for everyone else. Like, and I, I don't ever recall she did. She never showed it to me, her having $10,000 in her possession um, as, as a single working mother, along with the single dads that are out there working. They don't have that type of money to just uh, spit out and kind of like throw away um, on, on a class or a course. Yeah. Being able to, being able to have access to education is really important. I mean, James Baldwin, the the way he got out of uh, the ghettos and, and things he grew up with, he would, you know, steal away and go to libraries and he, he would have to go into other neighborhoods to libraries. In fact, he was, I think almost arrested or he was harassed by the police and, and by, um, by librarians. Uh, but he would, he would, he would go learn stuff and, and growing up and being able to get out of whatever you're into, um, or whatever sort of environment you grow up in and being able to see a vision to get out of that. It's really important. You guys have placed over 200 people in technology, uh, over 500 students and career professionals are using your mentor numbers. Uh, and you've been able to help generate over $3 million in tech salaries for people of color. And, uh, you just started this in what, 2000, 1999 or 2019. Yeah. 2019, man. I think like, obviously like, you know, I'm no, you know, I'm no, I'm no like, 
an idiot or anything like that or not oblivious to what was going on when we started. Um, I think a lot of it has to do with um, things that were going on around diversity and inclusion. So that was able to kind of help accelerate our numbers. Um, but something I'm proud of is like, you know, I think I had checked before I jumped on the call today. I think our numbers for salaries is upwards of, I think it's $5 million mm-hmm. to date. Um, along with an additional 300 jobs that we're able to place. So we're right around like 1,500 people that we've been able to place with jobs um, in technology, right? And I think the biggest thing that I think about is just the long-term benefits. Start talking about uh, stock options, um, the amount of amount of financial gain you can make, and then the network, right? Um, so I'm definitely proud to say, like, you know, we're definitely a part of um, the solution and not the problem with um, just helping bringing the tools and resources to people. Cause like you said, opportunities most times just come from, Hey, what, what access do I have to information um, and what I'm actually going to do with it at that point. So we've been actually being able to beacon of hope for some of the people that probably feel like this wasn't a path for them um, two years ago. There you go. And you're partnering with Microsoft, Google, TechSoup and boost, I guess. And then yep. do you want to talk about what we were talking about in the green room about another company or uh, some other companies you were, you got yeah. in the works. Yeah, so fingers crossed, man. We're working with Amazon Web Services right now to potentially um, launch. So I, I, I always, I'm an athlete, so I always got a game plan, right? Um, so our long term plan here is to um, hopefully end up being in the venture capitalist space um, to keep. So we keep we keep what we have in store, right? So we're pretty much uh, training kids in coding, um, helping them get scholarships into college. Hopefully, they'll stay in the program through college and they'll help kind of build an application and things like that. Um, and ultimately, when they come out of school, instead of having to go into a incubator that they might not be able to afford or internship, um, they can pretty much come into our company and help us build out um, hopefully the next Facebook or Twitter or Uber or something like that. Um, so that's what we're working with Amazon with right now. So hoping that we can get the accelerator grant to start building our ideas and platforms all in Amazon cloud, um, along with their funding for uh, people of color. Um, and hopefully we can get that going and we can start ramping that up and be having that uh, VC uh, platform rolled out here by 2025, fingers crossed. Definitely, definitely. In fact, I'm going to refer somebody to you. I know who used to work at Amazon, and he was a deal dealmaker uh, basically in a VC or for Amazon, and he yeah. he'd make he could make deals. Um, so I'll have to refer him to you. I know he's doing different projects now, but um, – you know, I was going to say the VC business needs to have more diversity inclusion in it. I know they're trying to, to make that work or they say they are, let's put it that way. Um, and, but, but, you know, I mean, they take a lot of interns on, there's a lot of people I know that go into that space, uh, and, and then eventually work their way up to where they become deal makers who can sign deals and do deals. Um, what uh, it would be great to have some of that. Is there a reason why, like, you know, you know, it really makes sense to me that uh, companies like Google or Apple or or Microsoft or these companies should almost have offices in some of these marginalized communities like Compton and stuff to to try and give a better reach out. Because, like I said, there's there's no one who has a monopoly on ideas. You never know where the great next big thing is going to come from. Yeah. And I'm, I don't want to speak for like Google or Microsoft or anybody. I know that they have people that work in that in that lane, right? As far as like, hey, we're going to go to you know some reach, under, yeah, underrepresented communities and things like that. Um, but I don't I don't think they have enough resources. Um, mm-hmm. and, and also, like I tell people all the time too, like if you're you know like myself on something, I pride myself on is is doing at least uh, four speaking engagements on each level. So I do mm-hmm. four speaking engagements a year for elementary students four for middle school, four for high school, and then four at the college level, um, you know, to, you know, help kind of spread the word, right? Because uh, 
they, they can't do everything on their own. And, you know, I'll, I'm like, I'm a firm believer of like, okay, if you're going to complain about it, what are you going to do about it? So, um, <laughs> you know, a lot of people sit around, we don't have enough this month. It's like, okay, well, when's the last time you went over to your local community college to let students know, like, here's the path that you need to get if you want to end up getting into, you know, a company like a Google or a Microsoft or just tech in general, right? Um, but yeah, I mean, I think there, there has been talks around um, going into those communities and, you know, doing certain things and stuff like that. I mean, one of our goals here with iTech is to ultimately try to have iTech Center built in, you know, the cities like Compton, uh, Baltimore, um, you know, some of those underrepresented communities to where just like the Boys and Girls Club, you can go and learn about um, STEM opportunities, right? Whether it be science, technology, engineering, and math, and you just go and get well-versed on it. Um, uh, shameless plug right now, uh, my soon-to-be uh, fiance, she has a, a STEM program as well, Black Girl White Coats. Um, and they actually help uh, underrepresented um, women of, in the medical industry find mentorships, scholarships and things like that. So kind of our ultimate vision and something that kind of brought us together was um, maybe hopefully building a center to where they can go and get the, the source resources they need and um, have opportunities to go and learn about uh, the technology in- industry along with the medical industry um, in those communities. Like you said, that maybe some of these bigger companies are maybe missing and overlooking. Definitely, definitely. You never know where the next big idea is going to come from. I mean, yeah. you, you think about if if we had some sort of conservative, uh, you know, immigrant policy that would have blocked Steve Jobs' father from coming into the country. Crazy. Um, you know, and, and so many great people. I mean, even even with, uh, you know, what we've seen recently with Twitter, you know, this is a big time where where some of the greatest ideas come out of the biggest recessions. You know, the 2008 recession, we saw basically social media was created out of there. Yeah. Um, yeah. and even like, you know, VCs right now are ramping up going, we know what happens, you know, even when all these people are getting laid off, you see, uh, you see people that have gotten laid off from Twitter. Some, one of those guys probably, yeah. I don't know. You, you can't, know, ever, Twitter, you can't know. Between, yeah, between yeah. Twitter, Snapchat, um, there's another, uh, social media platform that had laid off some people between those three platforms alone. Like somebody out of there is going to come out with a, oh yeah, the next crazy big thing, idea. right? Yeah crazy idea and you just never know and we're you know we're 10 years in it seems like you're about every 10 years i think there's some science to this or something from stanford or berkeley or but about every 10 years there's kind of a the whole new thing that comes out and so we're definitely needing for it especially you know so we'll see what we'll see what happens with Elon musk and twitter those of you're watching but you know what makes me you know what makes me excited especially about like what we're doing right is i think about Mm -hmm. all those guys like you know you talked about the guy that helped steve jobs come up with his idea, think about people that helped uh, build Twitter. Um, Mm -hmm. They all had that platform and that runway to make mistakes, right? Like, I feel like there's a different, different type of like knowledge you obtain when you're working with some of these bigger organizations. Um, And sometimes, you know, all it takes is that five, maybe 10 year mark for you to kind of learn for what you need to do, get a little bit comfortable, um, have the financial backing, the network. And then, you know, you're like, hey, man, if they're doing this, man, maybe I go build my own thing uh, because I have the resources and financial backing on to go do it versus trying to, um, you know, get everything from, you know, from the ground up. And uh, ultimately it dies because you don't have the resources and network around you to do it. So that's something that I love about what we're doing as well, man, get those people in those rooms where they need to be so they can start kind of thinking about that next great idea. Um, and, you know, hey, I worked for Microsoft for such and such years, but then I went out and created the next, you know, iPhone or some crap like that, you know, so it's really good there to have them uh, in those rooms to get the opportunity and exposure. 
You just never know. No one's got a monopoly on ideas, but the, the person who comes up with the next big thing, or, you know, it doesn't even have to be the next big thing. It can be, it'd be one of the next big things can change the world. I mean, you look at the impact that something can have, uh, and it it can be, it can be so huge and no one has a monopoly on ideas. Uh, I learned that a long time ago because I ran out of them a long time ago. Uh, so this is great. I love that you're giving back DJ. I love that you're helping your community. I'm, I'm loving that, uh, you know, uh, to me, a rising tide lifts all boats. Mm. And so uh, giving back is really important in people's success. Uh, it makes the world better and, uh, lifting everybody makes everyone better. It makes society better when it comes down to it. Anything more you want to touch on that we, we've kind of thrown in everything and gone over everything. Anything more that we have, it might have missed or anything? No, I mean, everything is everything. I think I covered everything. I am, um, yeah. I've been kind of holding it as a secret, but I am coming out with a, uh, with a book. Um, I got a oh. book company. They want to, uh, pretty much like document my journey, um, you about, go. you know, my, uh, my upbringing and then um, just my journey in the technology since it was so unique. Um, so I'll be uh, coming out with a book here soon. Um, but yeah, other than that, man, I'm just excited about what's to come for iTech, uh, what's to come for the tech tech space um, in general, and just, you know, happy to be able to be a service of, to others because I'm um, proud myself on being a servant leader. So I'm happy to be doing what I'm doing. I'm glad to give it back, man. And the book will be awesome. I mean, you've got a great story coming through the journey that you went uh, and, and, uh, I'm sure your story will just get greater as time goes by. Thank you for coming on the show, DJ. We really appreciate it. Thanks for having me, Chris. I appreciate it. There you go. And, uh, give us the dot com where people can reach out to you, uh, maybe get their kids involved, et cetera, et cetera. Yep. www.itechzero.com is where you can be reached at. There you guys. Uh, share this stuff out, guys. Share the love. You can also donate his website if you'd like to support the thing. If you're VCs and stuff, reach out to him and, and let's get help, help this get going more. I mean, computer, we, it's 2022. We should have computers for every kid in every damn school. Hey, man, I would love to partner with a VC firm, man. First, first yeah. come, we'll definitely be prideful, pride, prideful to represent you, man. And, uh, man, we're looking for a strategic partnership with a VC firm. That would be phenomenal. Yeah, it's really disappointing this country can spend $8 trillion on wars that, that we don't win, but we can't put a computer and internet in every kid's home. Come oh, on, man. man. Story for another day, man. Story yeah, for another be, day. There you go. There you go. <laughs> well, uh, thank you very much, DJ, for coming on. Thanks, to be honest, for tuning in. Go to goodreads.com for chess Chris Foss. Go to youtube.com for chess Chris Foss. Our big LinkedIn groups and all the things we do over there, et cetera, et cetera. Thanks for tuning in. Be good to each other. Stay safe, and we'll see you guys next time. And that should have us out, DJ. Great story.